Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. And on this episode, I have Kevin Fuller. And Kevin and I dive deep into what it's like being an American player trying to make it in Europe. What it takes mentally, what the struggles are, and the big differences an American player might encounter. We also talk about what the finances look like when a European club is looking at signing an American player versus signing a European player. Kevin has some insider perspective on that, and he tells all when it comes to that subject. And throughout the discussion, we tackle some questions that I had for Kevin, and also some questions that were submitted by you on Twitter. Kev talks about his growing family and what it's like moving to Holland. A lot of you guys might be familiar with Kevin and know that he's from the D.C. area. So he just recently moved his entire family to Holland. And I asked him what it was like to step away and leave what he built in Washington, D.C., and his response was that he feels like he's abandoning it. But he justifies stepping away because what he's trying to build will ultimately help connect the top and the bottom ends of the development spectrum. Now, Kef at one point said that Europe is like a pressure cooker. It's demanding in ways that most American players just aren't used to. But at 343, we can relate to that intense pressure cooker type environment, and we've developed a system that works here in the United States. Now, if you want to see exactly how we've done that, I'm talking about actual training sessions and actual match footage. You can check all that out at 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. You can also get information on our in-person products that include player camps, coaching summits, and more. All right. Kef is a great guy, and I'm super lucky to have had many conversations with him over the last several, several, eh, sorry, I can't talk, several years, and I'm super excited to share this entire conversation with you. It's an hour and 45 minutes. I hope you last the entire time, or at least just break it up into smaller segments, because all one hour and 45 minutes are completely worth it. Uh, so let's get into it. Enjoy this conversation with Kefren Fuller. Hey, John, how you doing, man? What's up, Kefren? What's up, man? How's everything? Everything's good, dude. Everything's good. Um, good, man. How much, uh, how much time do you got today? Ah, uh, man, however, however much time you need, man. Okay, cool. Let's shoot for like 45 minutes, maybe 45 minutes an hour. And if it's, uh, uh, if it's going strong, we'll just keep it going. And, and, uh, and if not, then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up around then. All right. Sounds uh, good, man. Sounds good. Yeah. I got, I, I have like questions written down that I, that I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you. And then I have some that, I, that the Twitter people submitted. Okay. So it's going to be kind of like a mix of, I guess, just questions. And then let's just, let's just yeah. freaking talk, dude, and see, see where it goes too. So I don't want it to be like super structured either. Um, yeah, it sounds good, man. But I feel like if we just, if we just uh, let it flow, it'll probably be, be pretty good. Uh, sounds good, man. Thank you again. Yeah, no problem. Actually, fucking, I'm not even gonna do an intro. We'll just, we'll just roll with it right here. I won't even edit this out. <laughs> All right, sounds good, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. So, I mean, last time we talked, I think we said we were gonna record, and then I ended up just picking your brain because I think you had just, uh, you had just started your move to Europe. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Have have you have you interviewed with anybody over? over here lately that and, and like described what you've been up to or is, is that like kind of like completely in the dark to most people 
Uh, I guess it's a, well, I wouldn't say it's completely in the dark, but no, I haven't interviewed anyone yet. Um, I'll be interviewed, uh, be interviewed by anyone yet about it, but, um, yeah, man, it's, it's been a whirlwind, you know, um, my, my wife is pregnant with our second one in April. Ooh. So that was part of, yeah, yeah. It's part of the catalyst for the move. And then as well, just, uh, yeah, I got a two year old and a baby on the way. So, and, and she's Dutch. So I had to, so, so we're, we're figuring it out as we go as well. So, but no, it's been a, it's, it's been a good experience and, uh, I'm actually been back in the States now for, for a couple of weeks and now I'm heading back next week out, out to the Netherlands. No, I'm, I guess I I don't have kids. I don't know how this works, but your your yeah. firstborn because your wife is is half Dutch. Your firstborn is Thierry, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So so Thierry has um, uh, Dutch citizenship. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. And your other one's going to be born here or there? What do you think? Uh, it's going to be born there, man. It's going to okay. be born there. They're actually over. They're actually over in the Netherlands right now. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so let's uh let, let's fill people in on actually like what what you've been up to, why why you're uh, back and forth between here and and Holland and and what your what your plan has been for that. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, obviously, other than other than family, getting out to to the Netherlands is also just um just really trying to to create pathways for American players. Um, it's kind of been uh, it's been a theme throughout when I when I started yoga, but really going for uh, further, you know, uh, there's a lot of potential talents in the states, but a lot of people really really don't know about the market overseas and about, um, you know, truly you know how hard it is to make it, um, and and really identifying our talents that have potential to make it. So that's one of the things that going overseas I've been trying to trying to to build, and so like I, I started something called SMI along with James Myers, and uh, we're getting other other people who want to uh, scout and identify talents from the U.S. because it's um you know as you know it's just a totally different world over there. I, I try to tell people as it's a market like you know you you have to you have to know when you um get identified and, and clubs find you out and then you know they try to get you into their club and there, there's just so many things that are that are going on that we're so far, far behind on um that it's, it's kind of mind-boggling you know case in point i was i was at i uh we played ix last summer our um we had a group of oh fives play like their oh sixes out there but even there you saw scouts you saw agents you saw different people even at those age groups um you know, watching the kids, you know, if you spend a day at Ajax, you'll, you'll see agents and scouts, notepads, everything, everyone's just watching and, and identifying talent. And, you know, I realize here, like, you know, you you know, kids play games here and, and no one's really watching. I mean, up until, you know, I know the DA they have now the U S national team scouts, uh, scouting matches, but you know, that's just one organization, um, that's, uh, trying to value talent and, and that's just not enough. Um, you need a lot more, uh, people looking at the talents and trying to, um, in fact, that's a huge part of development actually, because when you know, someone's watching, when you know that there's something a little bit more on the line, I think it, it changes, um, it definitely changes your mindset and it, and it changes how everyone approaches that game because you're showcasing something. And so that's something that I think, um, that's definitely happening overseas that I noticed that 
in the States, I don't think it's uh, happening as much, you know? So that's something that we've been working on. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never, I've never really heard that be talked about in like the mainstream, how important it is for, for you to have that added pressure of, you know, you have to perform in front of scouts. And in Europe, it seems like that mm-hmm. happens, you know, game after game after game, where in the United States, you're maybe, you know, when they do like these, these showcases or, or, you know, you get teams from across the country together for some friendlies or whatever um, tournaments and whatnot. Those are like the, you know, special times per year where all the scouts come out, but there isn't mm-hmm. like that, that pressure, that added pressure of week in, week out or day in, day out where you're always being watched and evaluated, I feel like. So yeah, that's interesting. I've never, I've never really gotten into that conversation with anybody. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. That's where I think the biggest, other than coaching development, you know, um, and obviously we talked about pro- promotional relegation, but other than coaching development, if you're asking me something that is probably one of the biggest things that's missing in the country is actually the scouting and identification of players um, when it comes to development. Because it, it like, like, like I was just saying earlier, it's like, you know, you just notice it. You feel like the boys, when they walked in, I actually could just feel it like, all right, people are watching, things are going on, you know, um, um, opportunities are happening you know and so what i've been doing recently is just kind con- like making a lot of contacts with a lot of different scouts and a lot of different um people involved in the game in europe and trying to convince them of american players saying hey these we got some talents we got some talents and um man you know i talked to one agency last last uh i think a, a week or two ago he said man he's like i, I like what you're trying to do but they really just do not rate American players. They just think it's a waste of time, you know. And so, it's it's interesting to see how we're how our the uh, the market for American players is is really looked at by the guys overseas. It's still kind of a, um, you know, in 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 some cases they're right, in some cases they they just don't know. And and so what I've been trying to do is 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 find out as much about the market from scouting, you know, what's happening with agencies, what are they looking for, what are clubs looking for, what are, um, you know, all these different things, and and then trying to say, okay, what players do we have in the U.S. that can be identified that that fit maybe some of these markets, um, you know, I uh, I was in I've been in Denmark a, a lot this past year as well as Holland. Um, there's a kid in in in, in Denmark that most most people don't know about. But that's going to sign first team uh, in May. He doesn't have an EU, but he's going to sign first team in May. And and so guys are, you know, he was able to get over young and, and play and and um, not register with the academy or anything, mess up any FIFA things. But he was able to get over there young and play. And and now um, I heard he's going to be signed. You know, so it's 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 one of those things where, you know, because he was in the market, able to prove himself and showcase himself. Now he's getting an opportunity. You know. Um, you know, that just doesn't doesn't happen here. You know, you're just kind of the players even, you know, I you know, I know players who are on the youth national teams. You know, nobody's offered them anything. You know, you're playing at an MLS club and and let's say, you know, I, I, I stayed mostly in the D.C. area. But let's say you play for D.C. And, and your style fits more Portland. How can you go there? You know, how can you actually, you know, um, further your career? If DC doesn't play the style, it doesn't rate you as a player. That's that's how far your market goes. And so that's the part I've been really trying to explain to a lot of players and parents going forward. I was like, your market is is 
you have to grow your market um, because if you don't, especially here, you can be stuck really quick. And then all of a sudden you're, you're 21, 22, you've been playing college or, you know, you're stuck in an MLS uh, club and, and, you know, you just really didn't advance yourself. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily anything against MLS. It's just a system that we just have in place right now that essentially just devalues every player, you know, currently, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, Jordan Morris from Seattle. You know, I think he I think maybe they were looking at designing him. But Klinsman is the one by putting him on the national team by, you know, debuting him. He upped his market. You know, he made him a household name because he valued him, you know. But, you know, that's uh, you know, we're not going to have many more stories like that, you know. And and so I'm just I'm just trying to think of I'm trying to help players like open doors and, and realize that something could happen for them, especially if they have the talent, the de- desire and the mentality. To, to try something different, you know? So that's what I've been trying to do is kind of connect, uh, connect uh, uh, talents in the U.S. to over there. One of the hardest parts of running this podcast is, is when listening to guests like that, it's like, I don't know, 15 questions pop in my head and I'm like, oh shit, now he's done talking. Yeah. What do I ask? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no, no problem. Uh, uh, I, could, I could keep going. No, 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 not at all. Uh, <clears throat> I guess one thing that popped in my head and, and I, I think this is one that will be a good example for everybody. In your mm-hmm. opinion, somebody like Christian Pulisic now that has kind of made it at, at Dortmund, do, does that serve as a as an example that you can give agents or or scouts when you're when you're doing your day to day business? Like, hey, like you know, you could find the next Pulisic, the American kid that you know you can get at a cheaper rate right now, and and he could end up being like this. Like, don't don't write us off. You know, the, yep. these, these kids are out here. Does that, does, does something like that, like realistically come up or, um, I, I guess just, just follow up with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely doesn't. In fact, I, I use his name and, and all the other players, uh, that have kind of gone to Europe recently as an example that clubs are looking, I think Dortmund and, and Schalke obviously have, have done a lot more, um, in terms of actually, identifying the the American market. I think there's what multiple three or four players from, from the U S at each club. So that's obviously, obviously done well, but if you, um, and they see that and obviously Gideon, um, being at Arsenal, they see that. I mean, it's, it's something that they're aware of, but still they're, they're just a little bit hesitant because even with Pulisic, you know, I, I try to, you know, he is the first, I think, American player in years to actually, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he went through Dortmund's academy from from young, but when he got into the academy and then promote to the first team, he's the first one that's been American born. That's pretty much been developed in America. That's kind of broken through. But how many guys do we know that like have gone to Liverpool or or Man U or Arsenal or, or other big clubs and we don't really uh, hear about them? I think um, it. it so for them, they don't have like they still don't have enough um, evidence yet. You know, I think some clubs and I'm not, I'm not speaking for every club. I think some clubs are being proactive. I think some are starting to show up to the D.A. showcases. I think people are starting. The process is starting, but it's still so far away. And and also, you know, it's it's two different markets. You know, there's one for the EU players and there's one for players who don't have EU and if you don't have EU, you have to be absolutely freaking amazing, you know, um, for them. You have to be top level, 
um, for someone to really, really want to take a chance on you. You know, that's the thing I, I hear is like, hey, you know, you have to be getting close to breaking into the first team, um, you know, definitely around 18, um, 17, 18 years old. You know, it's 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 very hard for the non EU players. I mean, it's possible, but it's you know, that's that's what it is. It's hard because, you know, I think if you're looking at a Brazilian player and, and a club is like, um, hey, we, we you know, there's a Brazilian uh, U-20 player and there's a U.S. U-20 player. The Brazilian get picked first. You know, they, they're they known. Um, they may be playing pro already, already in the first team, already being featured, um, already have a market. You know, I just keep saying that word of market because it's like, hey, like our players, you know, you have such a um, – you know, one thing I see is that if you're like if you're in the U.S. youth national teams, that creates a little bit of open door, even if you don't have EU. Like some of the clubs, um, like I'm, I'm talking with clubs like Bromby now and 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 Benfica and, and other clubs all spread uh, spread throughout. You know, they're a little bit more open to it. But even you know, from them giving interest is one thing. For you signing is totally another th- uh, another thing. So it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's. It's it's really hard to um, say like to use Pulisic and, and Gideon and and all those guys. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> Someone's calling me. But um, hey, John, you hear me? Yeah, sorry. I, I have my I have my mic mute or my mic muted. Sorry, I can't speak right now. When you're when you're oh, speaking, no. so no 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 problem man. no problem <laughs> sorry about that. But um no I was saying it's it's it's. I think it's coming. I think there's more, there's more and more that people are noticing. Um, and you know, I, it, it's starting to happen a little bit, but we definitely need someone to really, really break through and, and, and play at a top level consistently, you know, and, and that's something that will obviously help the case. And, you know, I think a, a lot of this 2016 class, a lot of guys went to, to Europe. A lot of guys are in Germany now, think a couple are in England. So, I mean, the market's opening up, but it's it's just now, like, do we take the next step? You know, so are are the players prepared to do that mentally? You know, that's that's kind of one of the big things that I see is, you know, because I, I uh, like last uh, two or three weeks ago, I went to a showcase locally here in D.C. and I was scouting players uh, from the area. You know, so I'm handing out that's my cards. I'm saying, Hey, we're scouting, we're identifying talent. And you should have seen the look on the kids' faces. They were like, well, like, huh? Like they weren't <laughs> used to someone really like, Hey, we're scouting you and identifying you. And, and we're going to come to this game and we're going to try to, to see you. And, and they're just not used to it, you know? So, and, and, you know, when they're scouting in Europe, they're not just scouting one game. They're scouting multiple games, how you're, how you play in away games, um, how do you react to disappointments? How do you react to, you know, score lines, like all these different things before you even get a trial? You know, the, there's there's a lot of things that kind of come in before you actually um, get a chance to make it, you know, and um, that that's the thing where I'm, I'm, you know, it's I'm trying to really show the players. I'm like, hey, there's you know, we're, we're trying to identify you. You know, there's something there's something on we're looking at you, you know. You have to be performing. You have to play well. You know, not playing down a level. If you if you guys are, um, like one thing I noticed in Europe, if they're destroying, if, if they're if they're winning a game, and they're way above the level of the other team, they don't relax. You know, 
because something else is on the line. They have to keep performing. And there's something else that's driving them that the, maybe not necessarily the fear of getting cut, not saying they're all fearful, but just knowing that your club has scouts and is looking for talent better than you or or, or you don't know at the end if you're going to stay that that just ups the level, you know, of everyone, I feel, you know, so and that's something that's that's happening, you know, so we're, we're really trying to really start identifying talent. I mean, we got a huge country, you know, it can't be that really only um u.s soccer and and maybe some mls teams are scouting but even then you know uh case in point like if fc dallas has a player and and you know fc dallas has a player and then all of a sudden uh new york red bulls want them they can't i mean i don't even think you hear about them taking players from each other or or trying to offer things i mean you hear about that in europe you know you hear about so it's, it's competition so we just we just have a, a very sterile environment right now that's not really breeding competition it's it's breeding kind of complacency if you get called to the national team if you get, if you're on this mls team if you're on this thing everybody feels like they're the man instead of you know everyone having a a, a shot to make it everyone having a shot to to fight their way through you know that's something that we need more of to really raise the level or these kids will become complacent and they don't know about the, the real competition to, to make it to top level. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. And that's something I've talked with, um, with Brian about too. It's like, and, mm-hmm. and as players now, so it's, it's, I think we mentioned it in the podcast when I, I recorded a conversation with Uli, Charlie, Leo and Alex. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you guys like stay, at that highest level week in week out, like you've been with your same coach for now seven, seven years, I think it was for those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's like, how has Brian like pulled so much out of those kids? And, and it's because they openly talk about that. The goal is not to make it to the U 16 uh, MLS Academy team. Like the goal is to make it much, much, much higher. And, and those mm-hmm. kids, they've identified that goal. And so they always have that added pressure. Um, amongst themselves, I think as, as, as players and teammates, and then from their, from their, from their coach as well. And a lot of, yeah, like you said, like a lot of, um, environments are just so sterile. Like people think that they've made it even, even coaches too. It's like when a coach like makes it and they're like, Oh, my, my academy, or I've, I've reached academy status with my club now. And now we're, Mm -hmm. you know, top of the heap. And it's like, no, that's bullshit, dude. It's like, that's not the end of the road. Like stop thinking you're, you're the shit. So Mhm. Mhm. Uh, I'm I'm totally with you. Yeah. Uh, w- one of the things we talked about last time when when we uh, uh, we didn't release that conversation, but we we talked a little bit about the the different situations in different countries as far as like how welcoming uh, different countries are to uh, to foreign players, and you kind of touched on that a, a minute ago when you're talking about EU players. Um, you know, there's basically they have uh, first access or easier mm-hmm. access to all these teams. And if a player, a foreign born player, not necessarily ju- just American, but a foreign born player has to come in and be spectacular to, to displace one of those, um, uh, those EU players. And so I think that the example you gave me was Denmark versus Holland and mm-hmm. um, like the, the base salaries for players in, uh, in mm-hmm. each country and, and they're different. So it's like one, one country might be a little bit more welcoming to foreign players or to just players in general. Um, and, and in Holland, I think it's not as much, uh, or as welcoming. Yeah. Is that, is, yeah. do I have that right? 
Yeah, you do. You do. In, in, in Holland, I think it's around 250,000 euros um, for a non-EU player. So you have to, you know, the I think the, the last American um, that was in the league with non-EU, I think it was Rubio Rubin, um, who just recently signed uh, in Denmark uh, with a club called uh, Sokolborg. I think it's called. And so um, I know uh, I know one of the FEU Trek assistant coaches and I was asking him about Rubio Rubin. He's like, yeah, he's at the last year of his contract and, you know, he's had injuries and he wasn't scoring. So, you know, and it's and it's it's a hard, you know, he, he had to get transferred to Denmark and now he's going to obviously look to to build his career there. And I hope the best for him there so that he can, um, you know, work his way back into the, the national team fold and, and everything else. But it's just it's just hard, you know, and I think um, he was able to prove that he was able to earn that type of contract um, in Holland. Um, Denmark is a little bit more easier from what I from what I found out. I think it's around thirty five thousand uh, for Denmark. Um, so it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit easier access. But I mean, you still deal with the same kind of stereotypes about American players. Like you have to have a chip on your shoulder and be ready to prove yourself, because if you're not. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. Like you either perform or, or you have to go, you know, and that's a situation where um, I don't know if our system is preparing us for that, you know, about how cutthroat it can be. Um, you know, I find Denmark, you know, Holland is Holland's been welcoming as well, but it's, it's a very tough place to, to make it and be signed, especially as a non-EU player. Um, we actually uh, Denmark is, seems a little bit more open. Uh, but again, it's still difficult. Um, we actually have a player there now. He's on trial for three weeks in Denmark. Uh, we had some Danish scouts come to America Thanksgiving break, and they saw him, and he got invited over for three weeks to see how he does. And, and the first thing I asked him was like, "How was it? How was your first days?" And he's like, "Oh man, he's like, this is a different level. He's like, the the speed of play. He's like, all the players are so much smarter uh, in things that they do tactically. All understand the game and." And it is is great. I, I mean, I had expected those things, but it's always it's always refreshing to see when players see those uh, see that happening. And you know, it, it's something where, um, yeah, I mean, I hope he he can continue to shine and keep and keep pushing himself uh, in Denmark for these next few weeks. But you know, you have to do you have to do well enough where they feel that uh, you have potential to really be in the first team. You know, because it is no more of, oh, you know, you, you, you're kind of a talent, you know, after after you get after after you're 16, 17, 18. Now it's, it's they're really seeing, OK, can this guy really make the first team? And they start making decisions, you know, right or wrong. They start making decisions. And, and so it's, a, it's very important that, you know, you're mentally really prepared for that. You know, you're trying to take someone's spot, you know, and if you if you come in, someone else has to go out. That's that's just what it is. And so, again, kind of going back to, you know, relating that back to the U.S., that's not really happening across our whole market. I mean, yes, I think MLS clubs, uh, you know, they're professional clubs and and, uh, you know, youth players are are maybe trying to break through to the first team. But I don't know if the kids are that hungry to break into the first team. I really don't. I don't I don't know if they're like if that's their mindset every day they go to training, like I'm, I'm trying to break into the first team or, or trying to get them there or here or there. 
And then at the same time, because the MLS controls the market, you don't have others saying, okay, well, they don't value you. We're going to find a club that values you. You know, the, the, the club itself becomes complacent. There's no way that you can't because you don't have to, you don't have to really fight for the talents. You don't have to fight other MLS clubs. Um, and I mean, some of the foreign clubs are starting to look at it, but you really don't have that, um, that fight for talent unless it's, uh, I know Mexico uh, down in, uh, uh, Mexico has, has done some things where they've started looking at the, the Mexican American players. So that's, that's obviously added a little bit added competition, but still overall, we don't have that level of competition between clubs trying to find talents and evaluate them and, and, and put them in their programs. So again, all the, all the youth players in America, your value is very, very stunted in my opinion, you know? Because of that, because of lack of competitiveness, uh, competitiveness. Real, real quick, I want to just go back and, and I guess explain the the numbers that you threw out there. So, like the thirty five thousand for Denmark and two hundred fifty thousand for for Holland. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> so for a player to, to go to Denmark, the base salary for them to get signed would be thirty five thousand, and the base salary mm-hmm. if they wanted to get signed or if, if somebody in Holland were to sign them would be two hundred fifty thousand. So the risk for the club is actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less risky for the Danish clubs. It's more risky for a club in Holland to sign a non-EU player, which makes that player have to be that much more special in order to break mm-hmm. through in Holland. So I, I think part of your, maybe part of your plan was at one point to start to introduce players to the European market via Denmark, because it's, it's a little easier and less risky in that mm-hmm. in that country and then they can prove themselves there and then move on to um other teams clubs countries whatever yes definitely definitely yeah i mean scandinavia as a, as a whole is a little bit easier um for americans to kind of get into and so i think i think we've it, seen real, real quick real quick Kev, is, mm-hmm. is that also a cult, yeah. is that also a culture thing so it's not as much of a culture shock if they go to scandinavia uh, in terms of what you mean, just, just going to Scandinavia, like sending them there instead yeah. of other countries. I mean, like uh, most people there speak English, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it looks like home, I guess. It's not like you're sending them to like a Morocco or something like that, you know? Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Culture wise, there's some things that, that match up. Like I've heard from Danish coaches. They like the, the hardworking spirit of American players, um, that they're normally focused during training, you know, that, that, that will listen, you know, um, uh, they, they like that from, from American players. I guess that's sometimes the, the robotic culture coming out of, of some of these guys, but they do like that about the, uh, American players. Um, and yes, you, you do try to find similar cultures and, and, uh, you know, that kind of match up for the player because it is difficult. You're asking someone to, to leave the home that they know and to say, Hey, um, you're going to be in a foreign country where, um, even if they do speak English and do certain things, you know, when they're, when they're, when they're talking or they're making a joke and they're making it in their own language, it's hard for you to, to kind of come in. It, it's the, you know, it might be the certain time that stores close or, or the culture and, you know, it could be hard. And so someone has to be like really, really mentally strong to say, Hey, you know, I really want to go out here and, and, and try to build a career, you know? So it's, it's, um, you know, I guess thinking going back is it's uh, Scandinavia is, is is a good entry place for a lot of American players. Um, are easier, you know, to get into. Uh, you know, Spain is very hard. Um, 
you know, I would say that uh, Germany, Germany seems to have rules that also that can help Americans as well um, get in. I think the I, I don't know the exact rules, so I don't want to I don't want to say anything with that. But I think they have uh, different rules that make it easier for under 23 players to come into Germany and play. Um, I still need to find out more about that. But I think, um, yeah, certain countries are more welcoming um, and more open to it. And then, you know, but I mean, if you have talent and you have uh, and you're you're a different level and you're a higher level than what they have, you know, it doesn't matter which club. If you have something that that can um, help them win and and go to the next level and you're you're a valuable player and, you know, possibly they could sell you in the future. And if it's a smaller club, then that club will take you, you know. Um, and of course it, it also determines on the finances. So in Denmark, uh, we tried to get a player signed at second division, uh, but he didn't have EU and he was too expensive for the club, you know, second division. And I was told by the technical director, if, yeah, if we were first division, we could afford him because, uh, those are the full-time players. And then, and then all the clubs in Superliga can of course afford that amount. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky business, you know, you have to kind of, you know, you got to be willing to grind and, and try to find your uh, try to find a situation. It's not it's not linear. It's not like, oh, I, I was good here. They're just going to sign me here. No, it's not like that at all. There's so many different different things that come into it. You know, certain clubs only sometimes work with certain agents, uh, certain clubs. Um, they're looking for 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 a lot of different things like, you know, you you know, I know we talk about the physicality part and the size and all that, but there's some clubs that won't sign a, a player at a certain position because they're not that size, you know, regardless of the uh, of the talent, you know. So it's like it's a it's a tricky game. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, it, it's it's something that you you better be ready for. You know, you better be willing, willing to give your all and, and, and sacrifice sacrifice for it, because if you're not, there's no way you got a chance to make it. It's 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 too hard. You know, on a on an agency note, I, I think one thing that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize is that there there's really only like one, two, maybe three like main agencies in the United States mm-hmm. that work with with MLS players, and I mm-hmm. and they work with NFL players, the same guys that work with uh, Major League Baseball players. These are the same guys that represent a lot of like the the musical talents and and whatnot. So it's it's th- those main agencies that that control. Mm-hmm kind of the MLS market or that work with the MLS market. How I'm curious though, how many different like agencies work in the EU or in global soccer? It has to be super competitive. It's, it's insane. Um, <laughs> so, so it's, it's interesting. I was uh, one of the coaches I know in, in Denmark, he just recently joined an agency and I told him, Hey, I want to do a show. Wait, 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 a coach joined an agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a youth coach. He, yeah, well, he left. He left the club. Oh, he okay. left the club, okay. and then became an agent. Um, and me and him were talking, and um, I said, "Hey, I want to do a showcase in Denmark because we're starting showcases now where we bring U.S. talents over and have scouts look at them." And I was like, "Yeah, can you help me get these clubs in and all these different things?" And he was like, "I was like, yeah, how much do I need to pay you?" He's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "You don't, you don't need to pay me." He's like, "You just need to." Um, uh, I want first refusal on the players, you know, and, 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 you know, he, he wants to talk with them and really get to, to know the players and, and everything. Cause he's like, listen, it's, it's, it's so competitive. It's like, we're, he's like, we're signing kids who are, I think they sign kids when they're 15 in Denmark, these agencies, some of them. 
And he was like, it's so competitive. He's like, because you never know. People are always talking to them, offering them things. And um, it's just a super competitive market because you could get that one player that all of a sudden, you know, puts you on the map as an agent. And um, so these guys, like um, uh, even in Holland, there's someone who knows. Uh, I have a contact. His old agent was Mineriola. And I was like, whoa, Minnow, you know, because, you know, that's Pogba, that's Satan, that's Balotelli, that's, you know, some of the top players in the world. And, you know, I'm just like, man, this is crazy. And um, he was telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like, but Minnow was just a pizza guy. He's like, he was just a pizza guy. He just he just negotiated, um, I think, Dennis Bergkamp's uh, move to Inter Milan because he, he knew Italian and, and had some contacts and helped with that. And. And I think he's like Minnow all of a sudden became a big player in the Dutch market, you know, and, and, and the world market. And he's like, he just started from nothing and built and built a, obviously a, the, the huge uh, uh, agency that he has now. And they were telling me, I was like, yeah, Minnow's always he's You'll find him at U14 games in Holland, you know, always you'll hungry. find his, his, his scouts. Yeah, he's hungry. Yeah. And he'll have his scouts. He'll have his scouts there. You know, looking and 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 watching and and seeing who the next potential talents are, and and so you look at that. I mean, yeah, it's ultra competitive because it's you know, you know, and 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 I think they even changed the rules now where a lot it's easier to become a an agent or, or agency. So you know, it's 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 very 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 competitive market. You know, it's a very very competitive market, and. Um, I think sometimes it does it, it, not saying that it, it, sometimes it can harm the situations of the kids. So, so people need to know like exactly who they're working with and what they're trying to do for their career. But also I think it does up the competitiveness of, of uh, it helps the kids because, you know, it means that a club can't just control your, your future as well. Like, you know, it gives you um, a chance to kind of open your market that if a club doesn't value you is not putting you on the first team that you can go up your markets uh, elsewhere, you know, and, and that's uh that can be beneficial to a player, of course. Cause you know, you could be in a club where a coach doesn't play your style. It doesn't rate you as a player. doesn't like you, whatever it may be. And you, and you need to, you know, you need opportunity to go somewhere else, you know, and, and that's what you, I mean, here in the States, I mean, I've heard of players who've, you know, they played for DC United and got sent down to Richmond and they're just stuck in Richmond. They can't go anywhere else. You know, nobody's really scouting the, um, I don't know what level they play down there. Is it, is it USL in Richmond? I don't, I don't know. But, you know, you really can't go anywhere else in America and someone say, hey, we want to, you know, it's, it's, it's like almost like a, it's such a slow dead market. Like, yeah, you hear occasional stories, but not what's happening, like what's happening overseas, you know, that if you perform well, all of a sudden you can um, you, you can come from the bottom and make it to the top. You know, you can have a, a Conte story. You can have a Mares story you, in the States. You rarely hear about that, you know, and there's talents out there who are better than the guys who are at the top level here. But, you know, only by sheer luck or someone's really connected, they can kind of get you in. But other than that, it's, it's a it's a closed off market, you know. And, and I think that has that honestly has a lot to do with with agency problems too, because MLS, they kind of have a stranglehold on the market. So there's no real incentive for agents to get involved with a player that's at Richmond. It's like how many players at that yeah. level would you have to manage to, to make a living uh, yep. being, being an agent when you're managing like a, a guy that has a contract that's like what 
forty thousand a year at that point. You know, there mm-hmm. and then the, the upside to that one would be okay. They sign with an MLS side that you know you're still making ten to twenty percent at best of a two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar contract. It's like how many of those contracts would you have to manage to make a living? And then the upside from that mm-hmm. is like how many how many players do you see moving from MLS to to Europe in their in their twenties at this point? You know, twenty three to twenty six, twenty eight, and and then value yeah, of who, those contracts is it's, who 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 moved last year? Who moved last year? Was it what, Miyazaga, right? I Miyazaga was the only one. I don't know. I, I think he was the only one for. Well, yeah, I don't want to say I'm wrong, but I mean, yeah, I mean, look at the market. Like, how many U.S. players move from here over there now? You know, yes. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. It it just stunts the players' market so bad, and you know, it, you a player's career can be tricky, man. You know, you could get an injury, and then all of a sudden. Um, you're out of favor. That can, that happens a lot. You could go through bad form. They could change the coach. So many different things can happen. So that's why I, I try to tell people, I'm like, unless you have um, some huge market or, you know, if you're performing well, of course, people can notice you. But unless you have some huge market for yourself, the American youth player, I mean, is their market is 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 piss poor right now. You know, look at the draft they just had. I think they had, uh, you know, five or six guys from uh, the Right to Dream Academy in Ghana in the first 20 picks. You know, um, think about that. You know, uh, uh, one academy uh, from overseas is, is filling the top 20 picks or 20, whatever, how many teams they have now, uh, picks in the MLS draft. You know, so what is that doing for the, the local U.S. players? Like what's happening to them? You know, um, but, hey, I, I don't, and I don't, I don't mean this to be derogatory in any way, but yeah. like when you think about the infrastructure that we have in the United States, like turf fields, lights, yeah. you know, soccer balls, mm-hmm. and and everybody has the nicest, newest cleats and things like that, and so we have millions of kids developing the United yep. States, and we choose in in our in our Division One draft, which is embarrassing to even say, we use, yeah, yeah. We, we choose five <laughs> kids from Ghana. And if yeah. you want to compare the the infrastructure between Ghana and the United States, it's 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 no, there's no comparison. So to think exactly. that that five yeah. players went in, in the first twenty picks from Ghana, and people yeah. are talking about oh like our infrastructure needs to be better and this this and this about the United States that we need to do better. It's like you need to throw that shit out the window. That 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 argument yep. is gone. Yep. 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 Yeah, and it's. <laughs> I mean, this is this is this is what we're dealing with, man. We're dealing with a. Um, that's that's why I always I, I'm trying to talk to these U.S. players. I was like, listen, understand your market, understand what's happening uh, 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 to you, because many of them are just in the dark. And then all of a sudden, when they're 17, 18, they're like, uh, oh yeah, they said they were going to offer me a contract. Well, they're not forced to, you know. They don't have pressure, so you know. Um, I remember this story. Um, the, the the player I sent to Groningen in 2011, uh, Christian Rodriguez, he was training with Groningen, and there was a there was a guy there. I think his uh, his name was uh, Zikovic. I think he's at Ajax now um, or on loan somewhere. But he was telling me he's like Zikovic was 15, uh, about to be 16, and he said that. Uh, I remember he was telling me he's like you know he wasn't. He was, I guess, occasionally training with the first team and, and some other things. But Ajax started sniffing around him. His agent was, I guess, talking to Ajax, trying to get him get him there. The next week, I heard that uh, Groningen had him in the first team. 
And I think in the 85th, 86th minute or something, they put him on the field. And um, and you think, okay, why would you put a 16-year-old who hasn't really featured? You know, yeah, it could be for development, but also it's business. It's like, okay, let's let's up the market of this guy. And and then I think it was what, four or five years ago that IX paid 6.5 million for him. You know, so they upped the player's market because you know that was the situation. They you know maybe they they thought, okay, IX is coming in. We may not we we possibly can't keep this talent. And so we're going to up this guy's market and and um, and obviously profit off of it, you know. And so, you know, it's like I said, it's a totally different world that we're dealing with if you're a U.S. youth player. You know, if you're a U.S. youth player, I don't even care if you're on the youth national teams. If they're not talking to you already at 16, 17 and, and looking to sign you and and um, and give you opportunity, you got to you got to start thinking of ways to open your market. You got to you got to start thinking of ways to 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 make yourself valuable or you're going to find yourself stuck. You know, yeah, you play a couple of years of college and then you'll come and then they'll sign you to some GA deal. And then next thing you know, you're you're in college somewhere. And then, um, well, after I'm sorry, you, you have your GA deal, then you're, you're down in Richmond or somewhere else and then you're stuck. You know, and then, you know, then we wonder why players aren't being developed and players aren't aren't uh moving ahead i mean it's just a lack of competition they don't they can be complacent you know it's, and, and i'm not trying to put blame on the people that run the teams and the coaches i'm not saying that i'm saying the system makes it like that you know just imagine you have a system and then you know you have a club and then all of a sudden another club wants that talent you know it's going to make you do things differently it's going to make you think differently act differently but if you don't have that pressure and you can just do things at your own pace that's going to affect the whole that's like i said the sterile environment that we have that's what we have you know like i said i'm in the dc area see a lot of talent here dc united does hardly anything with it yeah hey, hardly I, anything i yeah i want to i want to bring this up since since you're talking about dc so you yeah. you have a on on your twitter account your 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 tweet that you have pinned right now is yeah. is who run dc who really represents peeps from DC? Joga, not a feet, not a feeder, but a leader. So, yeah, uh, just tell tell me what you were thinking when when you put that up, and and then maybe describe the 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 relationship between Joga and 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 the DA academies and and everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I put that up, I think that's what over like two three years ago, maybe I put that tweet up. I I was just thinking, I look at the whole system, and I was like. It's just not competitive. It's like, listen, if I'm trying to be the best and you're trying to be the best and they're trying to be the best, everyone's trying to be the best. Guess what happens to the level? Everyone lifts it up. Everyone goes to a higher level. Everyone's forced to because you don't you don't want to fall behind. You got to. But what I see here is all chummy. It's all, and listen, it's, it's, it always goes back to our system. And I'm not trying to, not any anybody at these clubs, it's, a, it's our system that's making us like this, where people are, um, where it, it's so anti-competitive and everything's like, like I see clubs here saying, we're in the DA, you should just be with us because we're in the DA. And I got kids in the DA and they're like, oh my gosh, the training 
the fu- oh my gosh, what are we paying for? Oh, you know what I'm saying? We had kids because uh, this past year I let kids go to the DS. Hey, go check it out. Go taste the forbidden fruit. Go see what it's like. You know, so we let them go see it, and a lot of them are, are people are noticing that it's not all what it's cracked up to be. And I told people, I say DA, in my opinion, is for the U.S. youth national teams to to put all everyone kind of under an umbrella to evaluate the best talent in the U.S. I don't think it's a problem with that. The problem is is because no, uh, it's it's anti-competitive because people just uh, people just say we have it. And then you can be complacent. There's no other goal for them to say, okay, we want to produce first team players. We want to build our club up. We want to um, scout and identify players from other clubs and say we can offer something better um, because we're doing this, this, and this. It's kind of we're DA and you're not. Hey, so, real quick before yeah. before this thought leaves my yeah. mind. So they've yeah. received the reward, which is basically they've they've achieved DA status, which is yeah. ultimately relieve them of consequence now there's no consequence They're, they've made it to the top and there's no reason that they will ever fall out of the da so they yeah. can be they, well, they can become complacent there they're safe yeah well i think yeah i think well i think this i think some clubs can be um what was i say? i think some clubs you can get kicked out of yeah if that's that's right Not, I, I i was my my train of thought was for mls teams you're right you're right yeah yeah so some some can but i think to to piggyback off of your point, so that means okay, essentially you have a DA team, you can get some of the better players, and and you know you can you can just muddle along and do what you do, you know. But like I've seen I've seen some of the games, and I'm just like seeing some of the level, and it's just not different level, you know. It, it's um it it and again it's, it's it goes back to like I said, our system isn't predicated on everyone uh, being in a competitive environment everyone trying to claw their way up to the top so it just affects everything everything below so you know if if the club can be complacent that means the coaches can be complacent which means the players become complacent and they don't know about pressure you know they don't know about um it it just seeps all the way through and so when you have that that's what you have in our in our in our market like um not to segue too differently but i like i i was talking to uh james myers uh buddy of mine we always we always talk and um he's one of our scouts and, and coaches for for joga as well and we were talking and i told him i said listen i think back in the day when the u.s when the mls was just starting or the mls uh wasn't around the guys you know mls you could really make enough money to really live off of especially if you're a u.s player like so guys had to go overseas so or, or you didn't have it around so guys like claudio reina had to go you know john o'brien going over young um even and Landon uh, went over, came back, but then had to, he had to go back again. Um, the guys had more of a desperation, and maybe that fed into the national team as well, because it was like, okay, just imagine back then what they thought of American players, like, oh, in Europe, you know, they probably thought, man, these guys should be playing, you know, American football. No way they should be here. So I think that fed into like some of the successes, like you know the, t- the 2002 and and uh, and so on. It fed into that kind of spirit or whatever. But what I see now is that because the MLS is here, guys can go to Europe. They can say, "Oh yeah, I want to do you know like the big brick shade thing. I want to do Europe. I want to do Europe." Then all of a sudden, when they see, "Oh wait a second, there's pressure here. There's real pressure. Oh my gosh." Well, they have a safety net now, which is the MLS, right? So you can come back. 
they can, you know, pat you on your back. You, can, you know, not not saying that it's not saying that um, they're not working hard. I'm just saying that you have a safety net of coming back home. You're not in the pressure cooker that's that's overseas. Um, I think it, it's it's developed like a complacency, and that's what we're seeing a little bit more now. Like I, I think the the players that we had back in the day were like, I really can't make money in this country. I have to. I gotta go. You know, like. I really got to try to like, no, think about it. It was Brian McBride, Dempsey, like all those guys went over and, and had to fight and claw their way to stay at those clubs that they were at. And now we don't have that. You know, think about that. Like Amer- if we think about American born players, not the German Americans, uh, I'm thinking about American born players. How many guys are in the first team that are feature players? Do we know how many, you know, that then the first team are maybe top clubs. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that are American born. Think about that. Yeah. So so I, I guess what I'm trying to relate that to is that it's it's throughout our whole system that we don't have that that pressure and and um uh it if it affects everything. And so we're trying my, my thing is that if we want to compete with the world's best, we have to create that pressure cooker so players are ready and know what it is, you know. Because I, I man, we 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 had a player that we helped go to uh, Leicester and Fulham. Uh, well, he was supposed to go to Leicester and, and Fulham from this area, and the guy lasted like three days, you know, at Fulham and came back. And I remember I was like. Gosh, man, I was like, you're in London. This is like the Mecca, one of the Meccas of football, you know, for for world football. Like people want to be if, you, if you're if you know, if you're a U.S. player and you're trying to make it overseas, you're not going to like if you make it to London to sign for a club in London, like you've lucked out. It's so hard to even get over into there. Like people, kids think Arsenal, Chelsea, all that stuff. It's so hard to actually make it to a club of that level and then live in that city and, and play football. But he was there, and then just we could see the mentality. The mentality was, oh, well, you know, I like being good over here. I like people praising me. I don't like people uh, – I don't like the pressure. I don't want it. And so I was like – and this kid had talent. I had clubs in Holland interested in him. We had clubs in England interested in him. Had an EU passport as well. And we're, and we're, and I'm thinking in my head, I was like, oh man, the mentality's not there. Talent, good, mentality not there to really, really make it, you know. And um, yeah, so like even when you say the Pulisic, like I guess even let's go back to Pulisic. Like I think everything it was good. Like his dad played, his mom played. I think it's I think it was great that he had that culture, and I think he lived a little bit in Europe before. I think that really helped him, you know. Um, I think that really helped him because it's, it's been really hard to find American-born players who've lived in this and lived in our culture really make it overseas at a top level or in Europe. I mean, um, I won't speak for Mexico, but at least in Europe, you know, I haven't seen there hasn't been anybody recently that we can think of, you know. I want, to start, uh, I want to start to dive into some of the these Twitter questions because the first one that got submitted is actually kind of along these lines. Um, okay. Uh, but but Colton Colton asked uh, he wanted you to describe the maturity or mentality difference when you observe. So this is asking for your personal opinion. Um, 
when you observe American youth players versus European youth players during training? So what's the, what's the big difference that you're noticing between uh, the maturity mentality of American players versus European players? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a sense of um, the independence is is very um, just even culturally, just from a cultural standpoint, um, you know, and it matters. I mean, it, it you know, there's there's kids that I know here that um, that are independent, that maybe they're you know they're um, they're able to do things on their own, uh, but there's also a big culture here where kids don't do a lot here on their own, and that seeps into the the, the training and what's expected and, and on the field. I mean, in Europe, you, you know, um, the kids will go pick up the goals, set up some of the field, you know, they're riding, they're riding their bikes to practice. Um, they really don't want their parent watching them at practice. You know, um, James always tells James from England. Uh, and he tells me, he's like, man, nobody wants their parent, their parent watching them at practice. That's like your parents watching you at school. You know what I'm saying? Just imagine your parent, you're at school, you're high school and your your parents in class with you. You know, that's a culture that we have here that um, I'm not saying that it affects anything, but that's that's the culture we have where the parents watching and and, and kind of looking out for the for the person instead of just letting them kind of be themselves and, and deal with situations themselves. Oh, you got a hard tackle. You got to deal with it. All you, um, you know, you and the coach have an argument. You have to deal with it. You know, you and, you, you know, it's, it's, there's just way more independence that I notice in, in the kids and more self-confidence in who they are. You know, they, they can kind of go in and, and do their things. And that's, some of those things are society, you know, that are just outside of soccer. Um, but it does affect a lot what happens in the field. Now, I've seen from some uh, maybe more immigrant background kids where they're a little bit sometimes more, um, sometimes more independent in the U.S., so, you know, I've had kids, you know, who, you know, I've never hardly seen their parents at practice or any games, you know, and that kid's just very independent. At times, they'll just walk home, uh, would figure out their own rides or, or get or get the practice on their own. You know, those are the kids who, who would probably fare a little bit better initially, you know. So, you know, that's that's the thing I try to tell parents is like when you're trying to do so much for the kid and you're trying to dictate everything, you don't actually help them. When it comes to um, becoming a top level soccer player, there's no way that player can become top level because you're just too much involved. You have to let them go. You got to let them just live their life and let them let them try to go for it. You know, so that's that's kind of the thing. Like I notice is that kids there, they're just independent, man. You know, my my uh, my my nephews uh, in Holland. You know, he's seven years old. He's got his own he's got his own buddy and he he goes outside by himself and, and goes to hang out with him in the neighborhood. He does it himself. You know, there's no cell phone to figure out where he's at. He knows where he's supposed to go and what he's supposed to do. So even at that age, those things start. So it's 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 I guess it's kind of it's, it's kind of uh, multilayered. It's like the society, the kind of society and the culture you put around your kid kind of seeps into how. Uh, the training and uh, uh, in the mindset. So that's what I feel. I see. I sense in Holland, the kids are more independent, so it, it helps them. Yeah. And we'll, we'll knock out another one of these Twitter questions right here. And, and again, this is asking for 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 your personal um, your personal opinion. But uh, Tyler wants okay. to know about some of the challenges that you've personally faced in in moving to Holland or moving your family to Holland. 
And this could be maybe Ooh. this could maybe be un, unrelated to soccer as well. So he's going deep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I when I, like I said, when I started the conversation, my wife was pregnant, and I got a two year old. So if you can imagine the move, <laughs> man, man, that was something else. No, I mean, it is it was difficult on that end, but uh, you know, when it comes to soccer and football, um, it's actually just been a blessing because, like, even in the first two weeks I was there, man, man, the contacts, the people that want to do things, like the projects that people want to do, the projects that people are involved in. It's just so different, man. Like I got a call, like I got a call yesterday uh, from someone saying, Hey, I know this club in France, top division, they want five U19 players. And I thought of you cause you look for us players. Can you, can you give me a name? Uh, can you give us some names and some videos? And I'm like, that's crazy. I'm over, I'm, you know, I'm in DC right now and I'm heading back to Holland, but because we're trying to connect people and we're in Europe and we're doing that. Like these opportunities are happening. People are, something's always happening. People are always thinking people are always innovating. People are always looking for ways. People are always connecting. Everyone is like, someone's connected to someone that knows someone, you know, here, who, who calls who for players? Like really is really out there looking for players, looking to do something. There's some people, you know, there's some people in the States. There's a lot of people in the States maybe doing great work, good work. But really, when we look at our, our market, what's, you know, what's happening? So for me, I'm just like, man, just even being there for a few weeks, you know, I'm meeting people that that that, that coached here, that played at Ajax, that coached at Utrecht, that do this and do that. And, and your head scout here that is connected to this person. And I'm just like, man, this is just bananas, you know. And. In the States, I come back and I'm like, I, th- I was like, I was talking to one of my the colleague, James. And I was like, it's just dead here, man. There's nothing, there's nothing really going on. Like, really, there's nothing going on. We're telling kids because again, the youth national team that, you know, there's a man, I call them the Instagram ballers. They love putting U.S. youth national team on. I do the Instagram ballers. I'm like, for me, for me, I'm like, listen, don't put that national team stuff on your thing. Like, who cares? Make first team. Beat them. Like, make first team. Go make money playing the game. Go make it a living. Don't don't take pictures and show everybody that you're the man and stuff like that. I, I want you to go out and prove something. You know, that's the mindset I've been trying to tell some of the kids we coach. I'm like, I'm like, listen, you're going to be there, there's a soccer park we have out here called Draper. I was like, listen, in five years, if you ain't make it, you're going to be a Draper Park all star. You're going to be you're going to be right here. I'll be watching. You. I'm like, man, that kid used to have talent. But I'm being honest with him. I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm I'm more than serious. I'm more serious because I'm like, bro, come on, wake up now. Wake up. And. And I say, I guess going back to your, your your question, I'm just like, man, I'm there and just things are happening, happening, you know, like people are just connected. It's, it's there's like I said, the, the keyword market, 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 there's everyone's there kind of, feed, you know, feeding into the market, taking things, creating things. Here you have nothing. Unless you're an MLS. OK, you're an MLS. But how much? You know, you're in a protected market. So, you know, if you're in D.C. and you see a player from Philly that's ill that you want to sign, you can't even go after him. Think about that. And vice versa, you can't do it. Think about that. That's horrible. You know what I'm saying? That 
that's not building U.S. soccer. That's not building us. So, so what I see there is that there, you know, there's just so many different projects and things going on that just it, it, it makes you, uh, you know, if you can, if you if you want to grind and you want to connect, you can, you know. So that's the thing, that's the thing I'm happy about is that I'm there and I can, I can start sharing our thoughts and ideas and projects and meet a lot of different people that want to do different things. So, yeah, man, that's that's been the, I guess the best thing of the move. And other than yeah, everything else is it's been good, man. I'm excited to go back next week. Yeah. Um, when when somebody does the opposite, so when somebody's coming from like Europe or or even even Mexico or South America, and, and they're coming to the United States, and, and so I'm thinking about somebody in your position right now. That person lands here in the United States, and and they almost have kind of like instant respect from anybody uh, they they talk to about soccer, whether it's like you're, you're talking about a a conversation that's happening in a bar between like maybe somebody from Brazil and then, you know, somebody that just, you know, they're at, a, at the bar watching TV. The, the guy at the mm-hmm. bars is, is ultimately going to, going to respect this person from Brazil because Brazil has that prestige mm-hmm. of being like a soccer playing nation. But when you're, when you're doing what you're doing and you're coming from America, going to these other countries there, that has to be difficult for you. You, you, you can't, you, you don't, you don't carry that, you know, that weight of, of like coming from a prestigious soccer playing country or whatever, have have you had to deal with that at all? Have you have you had to deal with like you know having to earn respect yourself because you're American? Yeah, yeah, in a way. I mean, it definitely. I mean, especially with the the valuation valuation of players, you know. Um, that's why I'm glad over the past what ten ten years I've been going consistently. Because I've been trying to see, okay, what's the level of players there compared to what we have? And so we've had some players be uh, identified at, at some of the top clubs in Holland, some in Denmark, and and really getting their respect. Uh, you know, even I'm a coach, you know, and then trying to say, hey, we got good players, and 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 showing them it, it's been it's been an uphill battle. But you know, you know, some of the kids, uh, uh, some of the kids have been able to go in and. and and improve us right and and it's still an uphill battle i mean in holland one thing i will say is that they do like the enthusiasm uh of me being american kind of kind of brings um because it, i will say in holland um right now they're going through a dip in in some of their player development and the level of players that they're building and they're having a problem like uh with the funding of coaches and, and different things that are happening so uh, you know it, it's one thing about that's good being american is that you know, I, I think I'm coming with a little bit different energy about some stuff that we can build over there that is that is intriguing to some of the people I've talked to. So they've been like, OK, OK, OK. Um, so they've been more open to that. Um, they're all they all want to go to America. <laughs> all, like every coach, and <laughs> they all want to come over. And I'm, and I'm telling them, I'm like, no, nah, man, what are you doing? Like, why do you want to come? And they're like, no, you don't understand. The market here is so hard as a coach to move up. And so it is it's very competitive it's uh yeah no no it's that, a hard hey that's what yeah. i'm saying though is that those guys can come here and they have instant instant credibility just because they're from europe yep. and and yep. all of a sudden yep. that that boosts their their pay rate in americans that that puts them yeah in, first in line and and uh, yeah the uh, i don't i don't know my brain yeah but can't handle but, that but one. you know <laughs> 
But you know what? You know what? Most of them, like especially I met, met the young coaches, they're not like when I tell them how much a U.S. coach can make uh, coaching, they're like, what? Like they're not even in the, the stratosphere. And dude, so fuck that. What, them, what about an academy director, dude? An, an academy director here can make <laughs> I, six fucking figures. Are you kidding me? I know. I know. <laughs> I know you can ball out, man, but the, that's the thing. So a lot of them aren't like they, but they don't do it necessarily just for, for the money. Like most of the coaches I talk to when I talk to them there, they're like, they do it cause they love it. Like, you know, they're really dedicated to their craft, very organized, very professional. I like, I learned so much from sitting and talking to, to each of the coaches and scouts or agents, people I talk to, like, uh, I guess from the coaches specifically, just like, they're not driven by money. You know what I'm saying? Of course, everybody needs money to live, but they're not driven by the concept of, okay, I just make money. And that's what I see from coaches over here. What I see from coaches over here is that I'm just here to make my money. Um, so it's, um, yeah, for them, they, yeah, they definitely want to come over. Um, when they come over, yeah, they do get that. They, they get that kind of like where um, people respect them more, but I think it's deserved because most of the guys I meet there, they, you know, they, you know, if you really want to coach in, in Europe, um, you have to be very dedicated. Like my, my, uh, I have a good friend. His name is Mark DeFries. He played for Leicester City, Hearts, Leeds. Um, he was just recently uh, coaching at an amateur club in Holland. And he just got I think he just got his UEFA A. So he just got an offer. I think it's less than a month ago to go to Faroe Islands to be assistant coach. And he just took it, you know. I think he has, you know, he has, he, he said, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity. It's my gateway into higher levels of soccer and I'm going to go take it. Like he wasn't making crazy amounts of money at these clubs that he was coaching at, but he loves his profession. He's dedicated to his profession and he's like, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity in Faroe Islands and build up my resume, build up my experience. So then I can work my way into the higher levels in Europe, you know? And so for me to see that, like if Mark came to the U.S., my gosh, he could, you know, he could be making one hundred twenty, hundred fifty thousand, thousand dollars a year, you know, doing something. But he's he's going the route of trying to to build himself, and so that's that's what I'm saying. There's like just more passion involved. I think what I see from them, you know, because it's not so based off of the the money factor. What what we're blinded here by is just so much money. So then it it. it the, the money's too much at the front end and not at the back end, meaning like you develop talent and then they make it. Um, so that's, that's kind of what you see in our youth soccer right now. You know, as long as everybody can say, I got DA or we have this many teams, we have this program. Everything is, everything's just about fine. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, they make their money, they run their club, they, you know, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, so yeah. All right. Let's let's knock out another one of these Twitter questions. So, a lot of the stuff okay, that man. that's been asked, a lot of the questions that were submitted were, were pretty similar, and I think we've tackled a lot of them. And they, a lot of them have to do with the, the the big differences between Holland and U.S. But I think we've talked a lot about that. Um, yep. th- this one's more like on on field specific. So uh, Kevin asked, uh, "How should your players talk on the field?" And the example that he gave was uh, say things like "check two, playing behind." Or does that help the opponent too much? So that he 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 went pretty specific there, and I guess to to follow that, I I want to know if the communication uh, between uh, or the, if the communication is any different in in the, in Europe 
like our players communicating mm-hmm. the same things. Like I know when I was growing up, like the big things, oh yeah, square, square, square. Like, you know, played to your left yeah. or your right. But are players in Europe communicating those same, those same things or uh, is, is it a little bit different? Um, I think it's, I think it's, I think there's some details that are similar, you know, um, you know, with certain things that they're saying, I mean, obviously they're screaming in Dutch. I mean, I, I know some Dutch, but not, uh, everything I will, I will say this is that it's way more intense, um, of when they call for the ball. How so? Uh, like, like the player, like the players are yelling or. Yes. Yes. The players are. And again, this can, a lot of the, 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 I know in Holland culturally, I don't want to speak for all of, of Europe, but I know in culturally in Holland, like the kids are screaming for the ball. It's an intense, uh, uh, the way they ask for the ball, the way they, they play the ball. Like one of the things that the coaches used to say is play, play to pass, uh, very, very hard. They want you to hit the ball hard. So the person, the ball gets there, travels quicker. The person's first touch has to be, um, uh, has to be very, 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 very clean. Um, yeah, the, the, even the, uh, yeah, I, I would just say it's just very intense. You hear the kids are just all screaming. You know, for the ball, it's just like in every kid, like you don't have to really remind them of it. It's just a, a culture built in, you know, like I, I still I like when I came back here to do sessions, we have a session. And the kids are just like all quiet sometimes. And I'm like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you, you're trying to compete even in this passing drill. You're trying to like I just I just get a sense there. There's maybe more competition in everything that they do, you know, for the simple from the simple reason that, like I said, you you know that they're looking for other players and that you're kind of fighting to stay in. It know? all, it all ties into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, it, and it affects, yeah. And it affects your development. Mm-hmm. It was funny the other day I was, I was down in Los Angeles and I was sitting with, with Gary and we were watching, um, we were watching the kids, the kids play at the, the GA cup um, or qualifiers, yeah. whatever that, whatever that was called. And, and Gary was like, it's like the players are on mute right now. Like nobody was yeah, saying yeah, anything. Yeah. The first half, there was no energy. There was nothing. It was like, oh my god! Yeah. Like, what are we watching? And mm-hmm. I feel like you don't. You probably don't have that very many in very many cases in in Europe because, like you said, they're always in the pressure cooker. Like the, you can't you can't yeah. take that that half off, or you can't take that game off, or something like that. There's always pressure. Yep, they so, they can't. They, they, you're totally right, man. You're totally right. Yep. And so when people are, are, are submitting these questions, and I don't want to write off these questions, these are great questions, but the, the biggest differences between development in the, in the U.S. And, and Europe or Holland specifically or wherever you guys are asking about is that pressure cooker mentality. I, I mm-hmm. think that's the, the, the biggest difference when it comes to youth, youth development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just it, – exactly. It, it, everything matters. Like, listen, it's not just winning the game. It's competition in a passing drill competition in a shooting drill competition like like you have to improve all aspects of your game and so one of the things i try to tell people is that i've been like i've been going now like honestly almost close to 15 years 10 years as a coach and now 15 uh five years i used to go back and forth as a player to spend some time out there and you get that sense of you know something's on the line they try to do things high quality um, the players are just there for it, you know, they know what they're there for, you know, and it's, and without our system changing, our kids come to practice, you know, they jump out the minivan, you know, 
they, they're not required to be professionals. You know, you don't have a locker room and all those different things. Not saying you need all of that, but like even a kid from Ghana, like we were saying from maybe right to dream, like they know what they're training for and where they're trying to go. Do our kids really know that? Do our kids really feel that? You know, even if you're at an MLS club, do you really do they really feel that? And and that's the dream is that's what's driving them. I don't know. You know, I don't get that's the the feeling. I get it. I I get like I like soccer. I'm good at it. I play it. Oh, I, I have some success and that's it. You know, not that the overlying hunger that you really need to make it. You know, there's some kids that I think there's maybe a lot of kids that have it. Maybe we haven't identified them. So that's why I'm trying to go out and, and start this uh, scouting company to, to really identify these kids. And, and there, there's kids out there that have it. But I don't know the, the way our system is currently set up. It, it's um, it, it it's like that will to really make it and in, in, in to push push yourself at every level. It's just not happening. It's not happening right now at the compared to, like I said, we've improved, but we many times we act like the rest of the world hasn't improved. That's that's the thing I don't think people realize, like, oh, well, it's better than 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And I'm like, but the rest of the world is as well. They're at a different level in what they're doing. So we need to stop saying, oh, we're improving. Rather, we need to say, how are we compared to the rest of the world? That should be the 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 litmus test for us right now. And yeah, we were, we were talking the other night too about not, not you and I, Mm -hmm. Gary and I were talking the other night about, uh, I think I actually, I I was the one that brought it up. I'm not sure if Gary agreed with me or not. So I don't want to, I don't want to speak for him, but I I mentioned that what we're learning or what we're teaching or what we're doing now in the United States was being done 10, 15, 20 years ago around the mm-hmm. world. And so we're, we're, we're that much behind. So yeah, we might be trying to teach our players now, like across the, across the country, you know, everybody needs to build out of the back and, and, you know, do these, mm-hmm. do these things to, to play in a four, three, three and whatnot. But it's like, you're already seeing that at the top level, that's changing. Sampioli is mm-hmm. a, a, a great example. Like yesterday he started like what, with a three, three, two, two or something like that. And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. going to be a while before the United States can, can, you know, adapt and, and start teaching those things. And then already again, we're behind again. So yep. uh, it, I don't know where I was going with that thought, but. Uh, no, no, no. With, I, I totally agree. The, the piggyback off what you just said, it's like, they are always innovating. They have to innovate. They can't just uh, like, imagine if you're co- like, even if we're, we're a coach here. Right. And like, I saw, I think I saw Brian's tweet where he said, um, they played San Jose, and he said it was a great match for both uh, academy sides because it was like a really tactical match, right? Um, and I, and I, and I know the three four three guys they don't they don't send out praise a lot to a lot of people, so that that must have been a, a sick game, right? How many times, like us as American coaches or whatever that we're trying to do, like how many times are we are we getting that experience that guys overseas are getting, you know, or 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 um, you know, are experiencing or seeing, um, you know, like how many, how many, like how many coaches other, other than, uh, than, uh, seeing Brian and Gary and those guys, how many coaches can you go see and watch and really feel that you, um, I, you can learn something from everybody, which is great, but how many can you see that in your area you can go to and be like, man, I want to watch this session and, and really pick up a lot of details from it. Is there, is there many in your area? Do you feel in my area? No. And yeah. I, I mean, 
to to paint the picture, I drive three and a half hours to go watch Brian train or to go watch Brian's teams play. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't feel like my case is, is an isolated case. I feel like that, that is true for a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. what's, what's, and just to kind of plug right now, what's, what's pretty cool about what we've developed with our online curriculum is that we bring that to you no matter where you're at. So it's online. So if, if you yep. want to see Brian train real sessions, like these are real sessions before these kids are going over to play against Barcelona mm-hmm. or going to play against Man City or, you know, playing mm-hmm. in, um, in Dallas cup or whatever. It's like the games and, and, and the training is, is right there for you. My, Brian's mic'd up and you can see exactly what, uh, or see exactly what's being done and exactly how Brian is relaying these messages. So that's, what's really unique about, I guess what, what we offer, but, but yeah, seeing it in person though, is completely different though. Like I've, I've gone, mm-hmm. I've gone down and, and it's like, you don't, you, you can't appreciate the, the speed of play unless you're there on the sideline and you can't, yep. you, you don't, you don't understand the tone really unless you're there and you can see the whole picture and you can feel it, you know? And, yep. and, and so that's, yeah, I, I, to go back to your question, I can't get that anywhere around me. And what's funny too, is that just being down there in, in, uh, in Los Angeles over the weekend at GA cup, um, Mm-hmm. there's other academy level coaches that are sitting there watching Brian as well. And they're learning from him yeah. as well. And and those are the guys, those are the coaches that are competing against him in these games. I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to put anybody on blast or anything like that, but it's like, no, these guys know that, that what Brian's doing is special and, and they're there, mm-hmm. they're there watching, watching Brian's teams play and listening to Brian coach and, and they're learning as well. So it's like, yeah, those, those opportunities to, to go out and watch sessions and, and, and have massive takeaways. Those are few and far between, I feel like in this country. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right, and and to see the level of what Brian and what Brian's built, and then um, obviously what you guys at three four three, you know, was an inspiration for me, and that's why I've always been hungry. I'm like, yo, after I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, like what what can I do, or what like even when I go overseas and we see Club Bruges, I mean, we played Club Bruges, man, they were magnificent, like magnificent, one of the best uh, academies I've seen like uh incredible talents that you know some of the things that they were doing and and seeing other clubs and see you know seeing Ajax and different clubs and I try to tell people like the biggest takeaway that I got from there is like yeah you take notes you take details but it's important for people like uh, like when they're watching anybody is to first analyze the group that you have because like one of the things uh like I said me and James we talk every day kind of I guess maybe like you and Gary uh about the game but like you know, we talk and, and people try to like copy and paste way too much. That's what we see. We see people like um, if you're looking at Brian's group, look at the type of players that that they've developed, that they brought in to play that style and to and to implement that. So if you want to implement that, you got to start looking at that level, you know, how you get those type of players to do certain things. Right. Um I see a lot here. I see people are really hungry to learn and want to do certain things and they want to go overseas, which I, which I think is great, but it's important to really look at the group and the culture of what you're doing. You know, um, don't just go from, we do this session, like go deeper. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, um, really go deeper in, in terms of like finding out who you are, finding out kind of like what the, um, um, I guess, cause, cause what I see is like, listen, I could go to IX and say, Hey, I want to, I want us to be just like IX. I'm going to do exactly what IX does. 
that doesn't make sense. I have different kids. I have different different cultures. You know, I have to see how I can take certain things and implement it. Right. Or if I want to do that, I have to change certain things. You know, like I just think I want us to look deeper, you know, and, and that's why I tell people, like you said, you have to drive three and a half hours. So you're you're going out to educate yourself when you go to Brian sessions. Uh, I think people have to go deeper and get a lot more education on um, on really going and experiencing what's happening. You know, especially like when you go overseas, you can really go experience like what's happening, seeing the games and, and and try to go constantly, consistently and then see what you can do to bring back to help your group or, or build on your group. But like not just copy and paste. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I'm just I'm just I don't know. It just it's just been in my head because like a lot I like there's just so much um, there's so much knowledge out there. But like it's important that just people go deeper and start figuring out what kids, what, what kids are you working with and what do they need? You know, that's a big thing, I think. Um, because then it'll help you kind of, you know, that'll help you kind of figure out what kind of sessions, how you're trying to build the style, how you're trying to, to build everything. And then that'll make us, that'll make you a better coach as well, because now you have to think more rather than just take a session and say, Hey, this is, you know, there, there's so much more because, like you said, unless you're with Brian consistently, like seeing him live, you know, and getting those little details, there's just so much that that you need to kind of piece together, you know. And so that's where I'm just like, I really hope guys uh, start really digging deeper in, into what they're doing. Look at the culture of the kids. Look at the look at the you know, look at everything, you know, and, and that you're trying to build, you know, and you you set the culture as well. Well, like, so that can be determined um, on the type of culture of kids that you want in your program. You know, you can set the culture and say, this is what we're trying to do. And and then try to get people on board with what you're trying to do. Kefren, with, with everything you've done, like, like coaching wise and now kind of, you know, trying to create a path for players and, and, and having your family and moving to Europe and everything. And this could be soccer related or, or, or your personal life as well, but what's one goal that you've set for yourself that you haven't yet achieved and, and maybe what's stopping you from achieving that? Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the, the goal for the goal for me is to, to really build a, a club that, um, that can really be, that can really change culture, uh, in us soccer and also in global soccer. Um, that's a very, very long-term goal. Um, that's one of the reasons I moved overseas. Uh, and what I mean by changing culture, I mean by, um, opening the doors, uh, for us players and also, especially in the inner city as well. Uh, that's one of the things that I'm just, I'm looking at, I'm like, oh man, I really want to figure out a way to really, um, kind of like that street from the street to the stadium idea. And, and that's the thing I've been just fighting, trying to, to, to build, you know, so, we, you know, we've we've been like working all these years to say, OK, what's the pathway? How do we build it? How do we construct it? Um, you know, how do we get the investment for it? Because that's probably, obviously investment's a big part of it to, to get uh, the investment to really build that uh, platform because we see it. You know, we I was working with the school and and, and we were doing street soccer and development with the kids and people couldn't believe that 
you know, these these uh, African-American kids could could, could uh, work, uh, move the ball the way they did and the, the confidence and the swagger and the way that they were playing. But it, it's hard because, you know, to get the funding to keep everything going, you know, so that's been one of the things that we've been I've been trying to really figure out and like, OK, what's the next steps? How do we build businesses, our business to support this? How do we build support for these things? So that's kind of the main thing, I think, is um, where um I really want to just really, you know, build a foundation uh, here in the city and then from there really have a pathway for the kids at the end in Europe. Um, that's kind of that's kind of where we are right now. So that was part of the catalyst for the move, uh, but also just uh, now figuring out the way to to build more here and, and really take everything here to the next level. How How difficult is it or was it or. Or what's going through your mind when you're thinking about having to leave like the day to day of being in like that inner city environment, building with like those kids in the after school programs and, and whatnot? Because I know just based off of like the stuff that you've put on on Twitter and, and on uh, on Facebook, like you thoroughly enjoy working with those kids and, and the videos you put up are, are awesome and hilarious. And to see the kids just like messing around, dancing and whatnot, that has to be difficult for you to, to step away from what what what's what's that been like yeah man i almost feel guilty that i had to that i have to move but it's looking at it looking at it because especially when i started started doing a lot of work i was really young and you know when you're young you come with such enthusiasm which is great um but you come away with things that you have to learn right and so what i see what i saw was is that yeah i could create a dope program in the inner city you know um they could be legit uh we could build it but until you you have something at the top that can help fund it and then also a pathway for the kids where they could really um they can look to it and 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 touch it and feel it and say this is ours i don't i don't think i can make the next step so i so i so it's kind of like we we were working from the bottom up and now i'm saying okay let's keep this uh let's keep working bottom up but we got to get the top to come down so we got to we got to find a way to meet in the middle that's kind of where um i've been looking at and saying okay let's let me let me focus on uh starting the club fully in a, in holland building things like they're building people more into the project so that because i had kids like i had a kid in the program his name was a um very talented player um his name was Tyshawn, and he was talented, man. Just raw, like just uh, we just did street with him, everything. We brought him to a tournament in Dallas, uh, I want to say two, three years ago, and the kid had never played even uh, organized ball before. But we said, hey, we just we just wanted to bring him for the experience, just to see, you know, kind of like U.S. soccer or whatever. Um, and the kid surprised us, man. Uh, the quality of the goals that he scored, I think it was like uh, he had two goals and an assist or something like that. But the quality of the things that he did and how he wasn't, you know, it's apparently some of the best teams in America. Everyone's getting all hyped up for all that silliness or whatever. But just how calm he was and the things that he did, I was like, man, like we have something here. But in the end, family pressure saying, oh, you should play basketball, you should do this, kind of overtook it. So what I saw was, okay, I have to have – they have to have something that they can see, touch, feel that is something that 
is is bigger than just playing soccer because culturally African African Americans, especially in the inner city, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, African Americans in the suburb areas that are starting to really play, but really in the inner city, there's still not that cultural connection. So that's something that you have to get you have to get beyond, you know, and so that's why I'm saying if I you know if we can have the club established overseas, we can have things established here. Now we can start bringing them more and giving them experience overseas. Now you can, I think we can start developing some players and by having the pathway fully set for them, you know, rather than just doing it halfway, you know, I want to, I want to have it fully built. Yeah. So that takes, that takes a while, but slowly but surely we'll get there. Well, what's also interesting about that too, is that you are no longer relying on anybody else to do that. So it's like you don't have to build from the bottom from the bottom and then hope that somebody else is doing it and and, and creating that pathway for these kids. It's like you're you're gonna make sure that mm-hmm. that this happens. And I think that's uh that's really the only way you can do it now, man, is is that you have to you have to be the one that that does it from from top to bottom, bottom to top. Like that's that's yep. the one way to guarantee it. You can't rely on other people. Mm-hmm. You're totally right, man. You're totally right. And, you know, it's, yeah, I guess even, you know, like I said, we're talking about the American youth player right now. And, and, and how, how does anyone really get any value, you know, being a U.S. youth player? Like, even if they sign you to a DA and stuff, not DA, sorry, GA contract. Um, who are the big, who are the big U.S. youth talents in, in MLS? I mean, can anybody tell me one? Like, who's a big talent? I mean, Morris, I think got value. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think he's the best player or, or whatever, but okay. He's got validation from the national team, but who else, you know? So it's, it's, you know, so like I said, I don't think we can depend on this current system because it's not competitive. You know, it's, it's way like, you know, they're waiting for a marketing situation like Freddie. That's what they wish they had right now. Another situation like that. That's maybe the, the the only Americans that can really get value. But anybody else? I mean, yeah, you got a GA contract. But does anybody really know you? No offense. You know? I'm glad that they're professional and everything. That's that's great. But it's like, you know, just seeing like, you know, looking at the MLS, uh, the, the collective bargaining agreement that happened and all these things that are happening. And, and, and you know, I, I see today, I, like I saw LA Galaxy are going to open up. Uh, you saw that. The, I don't know if you saw it. They're going to do trials <laughs> in the UK. I saw that. And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? If I'm a, if I'm an LA Galaxy U player, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right? Because it's different. Listen, it's an open market. Totally understand it. It should be competitive. Right? So those guys coming in are essentially going to take places of some of the academy players trying to be signed. Fair enough. It's competitive. The problem I have is that you really don't have a market for yourself other than LA Galaxy. So they can determine how high your value is. You have no other way to kind of build yourself up and say, hey, this is uh, – uh, okay, you don't value me. I can go here and and, and, and work my tail off and, and see if I can create a chance somewhere else. So when you have that, it's like, you know, we're just really fighting an uphill battle. like. Um, which is good. I mean, challenges are good, but I'm just, yeah, I don't know. You feel me? I mean, I don't know. That's just, that's just the way I see it. Uh, you know? 
and I, I share very similar sentiments. And, and one, of, one, <laughs> yeah. of, one, of, one of the things I was going to ask you earlier when you were talking about, like you said, the keywords like market, market, market. Yeah. Um, what, in your opinion, and, and maybe just a couple more, more questions, Kevin, I've, I've had you for an yeah. hour and a half. So, um, no, no problem. But when, when you're talking about market, 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 and, and, you know, creating a name for yourself and things like that, based off of all of what you've seen now and experienced now, what can a player do to market themselves, to create hype around themselves or, you know, to get the attention of, of, an agent or a team or something like that? Like what can an individual player do right now? Or what would you recommend they do? The first thing, cause I get a lot of players sometimes, uh, not sometimes, but I get a lot of players contacting me about trying to go overseas. First off, make sure that you have video, make sure you have something. I mean, that's just a, like if you're playing your league games, you need someone videotaping and good video you know, you know, give us the the two minute highlight video and also give us the the 10 minute kind of like showing how you you kind of play throughout the game and, and giving us more characteristics like you have to have that is very, very important because um, that's the first thing. Like when I'm talking to clubs for some players right now, that's the first thing they're asking for. OK, where's the video? Where's the video? Because clubs aren't just going to go off of our, our word. Right. Um just alone they're just not going to go off the word alone like we built a little bit of a, a good reputation but like just alone it's not gonna you need that video and then um essentially it's not just i guess just building high i mean obviously you have to work to to, to get yourself in a situation um unfortunately right now it's like because it's, it's such a stranglehold in the system like the way you get valued is only by being on the u.s youth national team even me, like when I'm looking for a player, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, okay, who's on the youth national team? Who's these guys? You know, who are they? Who got called in? Who got maybe didn't get called in uh, anymore and, and all those things? Uh, it's, I guess I, I hope they understand that someone is always looking, even if uh, you just never know who's looking. So you want to you want to make sure that you're obviously uh, you're at your top level. Uh, I would tell people as well, if their parents have, have enough uh, – finances or whatever i would look at soccer schools overseas personally that's what i would look for because at least you can be in the environment you can learn um there's some popping up i've, I've started to notice that spain is starting to do a lot more of that i know that uh portugal is doing some germany is looking at it so those things are starting to pop up a little bit more because um people are saying okay the, you know if you want to become a soccer player you, you got to be in the environment where you could play soccer. Of course, some are very expensive. Some are some are a little bit reasonable. That's what I would say. If you don't have anything, you know, um, we're going to now we're personally going to be scouting and trying to identify players and looking at videos of guys and sending videos to scouts and, and doing showcases overseas. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is try to identify players, bring them overseas, and then bring scouts from all these different clubs and just have them look at them and see, you know, essentially a scouting showcase where they can be seen and clubs can say, okay, you know, and, and not just one or two clubs, but like we're talking about clubs from all different areas so that someone could really see them and say, Hey, okay, do we, do we feel you have potential and, and, you know, give them a shot. That's what, that's something that we've been looking at 
you know, is how, how do we create the best opportunity for these guys, you know? And, um, yeah, but the, I mean, that's, I guess that's the main thing. I, that's the main thing I would say is just like give video and then, you know, figure out ways somehow where you can get over and, and be seen, you know, as much as you can, you know, you have to grind. It's hard as an American player to, to kind of get the door open to you, but there are ways, but you have to, you have to be willing to grind to get them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that you mentioned video because we've, we've at three, four, three, we've messed around with the idea of requiring video to get into our camps. Like we want to make mm-hmm. sure like th- that, you know, we're, we're letting in the top of the top and, and thankfully yep. for, for all of our camps, we've had a really high level and, and players that are signing up, parents that are signing their players up for our camps have, have kind of understood that this yep. isn't like your daycare type camp. Yep. So yep. We, we haven't really had the need to to go to that next level and require video, but we might we, we might say one day like yeah like yeah. you need to submit video, and and mm-hmm. that's that is kind of going more in line with the process of like yeah you want your your kid to get a shot in Europe like these this is the first step like you need you need video yep. you need to be able to show them you can't just say hey like my my son can juggle ten thousand times and you know yeah. he, he's the best player on his U twelve team in um, Arkansas or wherever yep. you're at and it's like. Yeah, it's yeah. Yep. You, you need to be able to prove yourself. So that's I'm, I'm, You're right. I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that. Um, where where can people learn more about SMI and and Joga and the stuff that that you've uh, built and that you're affiliated with if they want to learn more? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, for Joga, it's uh com. and then um, for SMI, it's smisoccer.com. Uh, and then, uh, I think Twitter's uh, the same, uh, Joga, uh, underscore SC and then, uh, SMI soccer. I think it's just, uh, SMI soccer, one word, uh, on Twitter as well. And, um, yeah, you can find us there and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to build and, and slowly but surely we're going to identify hopefully another, uh, Christian Pulisic here, maybe, huh? That'd, <laughs> That'd be, be nice, but, uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. That would be amazing. But the, the, there, there are talents here. There are kids. Uh, you know, there are the Funes Mori uh, brothers. There, there's kids uh, like that. There's kids out here. Um, but like, you have to be really, really ready to grind to to go for this. This is not an easy, the easy world you're trying to go into. Uh, I try to tell people it's the most competitive uh, workplace maybe in the world. Because every little kid around the world that you're competing with wants to be professional, wants to play for these clubs. Um, I, I just want to make one point here really quick. I was talking to our boys the other night when Arsenal was about to play Sutton. And one of them made a joke, said, oh, Sutton, who's Sutton? And I said, do you know that four Arsenal Academy players are on Sutton's team? And he's like, oh, no. I was like, yeah, former players. I was like, so these guys were at a top European academy. And they couldn't cut it at Arsenal or, you know, they had the journeyman or whatever. And, they, and they're at Sutton. I was like, people really don't understand the market. They really don't understand it. Like, So I try to tell kids, I'm like, stop saying you want to play for Arsenal, Chelsea and all those things. And I'm, I'm not trying to knock you. You should have a dream. But you don't even, especially if you've never been, you actually don't understand the level. You don't. You know, we 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 don't really see it, you know. Um, the Nike friendlies, uh, the, the U S team, when they play Portugal, you know, I talked to Benefica scout and they're two top talents that are U 17. We're already, tr- already training with the first team. 
They're on the U19s for Portugal, uh, or for Benfica, sorry. You know, they weren't even at the Nike friendlies. So we don't even really know the level, you know, many times of what you're going against. And, and the market. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's, it's, it's okay to shoot for the stars, but like understand that because I've had people say, oh, Denmark. I'm like, bro, you have no clue. Like you don't know. You know, you only see what's on TV. I was like, you, you get the same thing. I tell coaches like, hey, you need to go over there. You need to experience like when you tell me this player is legit over here. I want to see if he's legit over there. The same thing with the players. You need to go over there and be legit over there. Make the first team. You know, are you good enough for a second division team, you know, that you've never heard of? You know, a lot of them don't realize how hard it is, you know, and where a lot of these guys who used to be pro or um, who get cut from these academies end up playing at these, you know, second division and third division sides. So there's a lot there's there's always good. There's good quality all around Europe. And all throughout the world trying to make it, you know? So, no, that was just me <laughs> just <laughs> ranting, ranting a little bit because I, I get annoyed sometimes. Uh, the kids don't know how uh, hard it really is, you know? 100%, dude. That's why coming on the pod, yeah. like podcast like this or or wherever, we're able to kind of just free flow and speak your mind is, is good because, you know, you can't, you can't get that across and – 140 characters on Twitter or even like a blog post where it's like you, you can kind of like censor yourself in a way. Like you start typing and you're like, Oh no, I shouldn't say that. Or, you know, that doesn't sound (laughs) right or whatever, you know, but in this it's like, yeah, like you just, you just let it all out there. And it's, I think it's good for people to hear that though. Yep. Yep. All right, man. man. I've had you for an hour and 45 minutes now. So I I appreciate (laughs) every second of your time that you give me because I know that your, your time is valuable and I know that the people, the people listening, um, they really appreciate it as well. We've had so many requests come in just by email and, and on Twitter and, and whatever to get you back on the, on the podcast. So this, I think we tackled a bunch of, oh, sorry, shit, I dropped my mic. <laughs> no, you're good, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. we, we tackled a bunch of topics that I think are going to be interesting and, and, um, and good for people to hear. So, um, no, no. No, thank you, man, for your time. I, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no problem. And then uh, let's uh, let's give it—I don't know—six months, eight months, or something, and catch up again, and and give everybody an update on uh, on how things are going in the future. Yeah, we'll do, man. We'll do. Thank you again for your time, and and thank you all. All right, Kev. Thank you. Later. All right, all right man. Have a good one, John. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. As always, we appreciate you. And as always, this episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. And we would love it if you went there and took a look around. You can find some ebooks, some articles, videos, more podcasts. You can find information about our in person services that include player camps and coaching summits and a whole bunch more. So, again, check that out. That's 343coaching.com. And we will see you guys again next time. All right. Thank you for listening to the 343 podcast and goodbye.